Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Dawn here, and I am the senior pastor of Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer, and I bring you greetings from on high. What a mighty God we serve. God is an awesome God, and he is worthy of all the praise, all of the honor, and all of the glory. Amen. I have an assignment tonight, and I intend to do it well. Amen. Uh, we are here, and we are studying one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Exodus. I love the book of Exodus. Amen. So we're going to continue in our study. God has been doing great things. He's been exposing himself to us, and God wants us to know him. Him. He wants us to know him, especially through the parting of our sins. Amen. So what we learn, we must retain. What we retain, we must apply in our lives. For the application of knowledge is wisdom, and we shall walk and operate in wisdom. Amen. So we are asking God for wisdom, and he gives it to us freely. Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue in our study. Uh, I'm praying that we get together on Thursday evening to come and discuss, but I'm going to do a quick uh, overview of what we've studied and so that we can proceed and all move together in unison. We can be on the same page. Amen. I praise and thank God for each of you who are under the sound of my voice, and I pray that this uh, lesson will be a blessing in your life. Amen. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you as we come before your throne this evening, Lord God, asking that you will have your way, asking that your perfect will, it shall be done in each and every one of our lives. As we prepare to study, Lord God, we ask from a word from on high, Lord God. Father God, help us to understand your word in right perspective. We want to understand the historical text of your word. We want to understand the theological text of your word. Father God, we want to rain my word from you. We want to know, oh Father God, what it is that you are trying to convey to us through your word. Help us to meditate on your word day and night. Help us, Lord God, to draw others to you. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We honor and adore you for you are a great and mighty God and you are greatly to be praised. Now, Father God, we ask that you will use me in a special way, Lord God. Oh, Father God, word my mouth, Lord Jesus, that your words will proceed from my mouth, Lord Jesus. We ask tonight that you will hide me, hide me, that your children will only see you, Father God, for I am a willing vessel to be used for your good. Father, I thank you and I praise you. I honor and adore you. Father, save, heal, and deliver, lead, guide, and direct us. Oh, Father, as we continue our pursuit of pleasing you. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray. Thank God. Amen and amen. All right, well, let's get started. Let's get started. We already, <laughs> already started walking through uh, this uh, Bible study, looked up and realized that my recording has stopped. Well, part of it is because some of the things I was saying, I ought not have been saying. Amen. Got to come on up out of this flesh. <laughs> Y'all pray for prophetess because I'm a hot mess. I am a hot mess. But nonetheless, we have an assignment to do. And God has called us for such a time as this. I just want to encourage you to get in God's face, to understand his will for your life. Amen. All right, so we're going to continue in our study. We were studying the book of Exodus. We're studying the book of Exodus. And I told y'all, I told y'all, this is my book now. This is my book. I love the book of Exodus because it reminds me, it reminds me of the experiences of our people. 
it is very similar in context as to what we as African Americans have gone through in this very country. Amen. So I can very much relate and I love me some Moses. <laughs> I love Moses because of his power, his authority, and guess what? He's also and was a misfit. So I love him. I love everything about him. And I love learning. So God has taken us through this journey. And we started out in the book of Genesis. Genesis and Exodus is the second book. So we started out in the first book. And of course, we learned about the creation. We learned about the creation. How God created the heavens and the earth. Heavens with a plural. And the earth singular. God created everything above and everything therein. We learned that what does that mean? He created the angels in heaven. He created the elements of the earth and those that dwell therein, such as the animals and Adam and Eve and others. And so we learned about Adam and Eve and the serpent, the serpent who was uh, uh, a representation of the fallen angel who was booted out of heaven because of his disobedience and his desire to be like God. So now we learned about the serpent and how he deceived Eve and how Eve got her husband to disobey the will of God. Amen. So we learned a lot of nuggets there, a lot of things we had to explore as we started peeling back the layers in that thing and 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 really trying to understand. But some of the key points that we learned is that God is a covenant keeper. God is a covenant keeper. And in his sovereignty, he is merciful and he extends grace to his children. Amen. So even though they disobeyed God and they had to suffer the consequences, God yet covered them through blood covenant. And that began the the, um, conditions by which the covenant had to be established in the earth that we would reconcile back to Christ. Can you imagine? I mean, back to God and back to Christ and his Holy Spirit. Can you imagine? Can you imagine walking with God in paradise? That is what Adam and Eve did. They walked with him. They talked with him. They were right there with him. And they, uh, for the sake of a fruit, (laughs) turned away from that. But anyway, we will be reconciled back to him. Amen. What a blessing. What a blessing. God had a plan from the beginning. And in the end, we will see it made manifest. Amen. So we learned about Adam and Eve and the fall of man. And we learned about their children that they had, Cain and Abel. And we learned that Cain, uh, murdered his brother because he was envious of his brother. He was jealous of the relationship that his brother had with God. And his brother was faithful. He was faithful and he was obedient. And based on his faithfulness and his obedience, God was pleased with the sacrifice that he gave to him that was representative of the blood covenant. But Cain, because of his pride, ego, haltiness, and just I think I know everything-isms, decided that he was going to give God what he wanted to give God, the best of what he had. And God rejected it. And, And instead of him humbling his heart and humbling himself, he turned on his brother and murdered his brother. Anyway, we learned about that. Y'all go back if y'all need a refresher and go through it again. Then we learned about uh, Noah and the ark and how God had a covenant with his people when evil spread throughout the world at such a, a level that God repented of his creation. He was he was like, look, I don't know why I created y'all jokers. And he wiped 
every human being, every living thing that was outside of the ark. He wiped them off the face of the earth. Evil had gotten so extreme that God had to restore order. Amen. And so we learned about the ark and we learned about the the uh, covenant that he made with Noah. And we learned the symbolisms, the symbolism that Jesus symbolizes the ark, the ark that that uh, uh, enclosed or, or contained the, the Noah and his family and all of the animals. And then we learned that God was the providence, the provision that was outside of the ark. He was outside of the ark. And when the time came after they were all in uh, safety, after they were all saved, God sealed the ark. He sealed the ark. And when he sealed the ark, that represents the Holy Spirit. So we learned about the triune uh, characteristics of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, through the story of the ark. Amen. And Noah and the ark. And we learned a few other things. We went to uh, the um, Creation Museum on last year. I'm trying to make my way back because it was such a great experience. But we learned about some other things and, and how for years I always thought that Cain's uh, bloodline or his lineage were wiped off of the face of the earth. And so when we went through the uh, the ark, uh, the creation museum, we learned that while uh, Noah, his lineage came through Seth, who was um, uh, Adam and Eve's son after the death of Abel, we learned that uh, Noah's wife, Noah's wife actually came from the lineage of Cain. So she was from Cain's lineage and and um, um, Noah was from Seth. So, so it was intertwined is what I'm trying to get through. So God didn't leave nothing out. You know how you eat, eat your plate of food and you leave some crumbs? God ain't leave no crumbs. He got all of the blood from Adam and Eve in that ark so that we would have the remnant the uh, uh, residuals of that uh, th- that generation uh, flowing in generations to come. Amen. All right. So we learned about Job, and Job had a um, uh, I would say a trying time. Job was chosen by God to be tested, to be tested, and God knew that He could trust Job. Job lost all that he owned, and God restored him double. God gave him double for his trouble. Amen. So he was blessed, exceeding what he could even have imagined. But he had suffered great loss, and those around him who were on the outside looking in, they said, oh, it must be something you are doing against our God. <laughs> Don't people have some nerve? It must be something about you that you are going through. Folk who ain't even qualified to walk in Job's shoes, to 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 uh, stand up to the standard that God had assessed and assigned and uh, 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 qualified Job through. They couldn't even they couldn't even be looked on by God to walk through this trial. But yet they want to be the accusers or the ones who say, "Oh, you must be doing something. Must be something you did." Boy, I got a little irritated there, didn't I? Because I can relate. These jokers just keep your mouth closed. Just. You know, but anyway, we learned about Job and his his faith in God, and he was a man of faith. And I'm telling you, if anybody in the Bible had faith, Job had some faith. You mean to tell me you gonna lose it all and yet trust God? He said, even when I cannot trace you, I'm gonna trust you. Amen. So I thank and praise God for that. We learned about that. And so then we learned about Abraham or or shall I say Abram and Sarai and their nephew Lot. 
And we learned that it was a long time before they had a child, which was the promise that God had given them. And so the relationship that Abram had with his nephew Lot, we liken it to that of a father and a son. But God warned and and admonished Abram to leave his father's house because they had begun to worship uh, gods and idols that were not God. And so God said, remove yourself and don't take nothing with you. And so Abram, he did what God said, but he only did it partially. He wound up taking his nephew with him. And so we learned about all of their drama that they had to go through. And they were very prosperous, but almost deceitful. You know, we had to we had to realize, you know, some of these characters in the Bible are not yet uh, necessarily model citizens, right? They're not, God's not sharing their stories with us to say, be like this one, <laughs> be like that one. He's sharing their story because it is an account of uh, who these people were. So anyway, uh, we learned about that and, and all of the things. Sarah, of course, she didn't want to wait on God. God said, I'm going to give you a son. She laughed. She lied. You know, Abram lied to folk and told them that Sarah wasn't his uh, 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 wife and knowing that she was, even though he told her half lie because she was his sister. <laughs> Y'all better look it up. She was his sister. So when he said it, it wasn't altogether a lie. He was telling half the truth. But uh, he was being deceitful. And and Sarah, because she didn't want to wait on God, she said, I'm going to rush this thing and I'm going to give him my maid servant and I'm going to uh, allow her to conceive a child. And she conceived a child. And we learned that, hey, God, she was um, she was a little uppity. She was a little uppity after she uh, had that baby. She had that baby. All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. For whatever reason, this thing cut me off, cut me off. And I had already been talking about the next story. Uh, But let me go back, let me, er, let me go back, rewind and, and get back to what we were talking about. One of the things that I learned that I do, but I, I can't break myself from doing it, I need to break myself, is that when I talk, I'm closing my eyes and I'm telling the story and I'm closing my eyes because it helps me to remember, almost helps me to block other things out. And so I'm not actually looking at my phone, the device that I'm recording from, and I didn't realize, but it is cutting me off. Seems like every 15 minutes. So we're going to get through this. So I'm praying <laughs> that if it cut me off again, I have enough, uh, you know, uh, foresight to open my eyes or something before I get too far. Uh, but anyway, so let me go back to where it cut me off. It cut me off in the part of the story where we were talking about Hagar. And we know that she played an integral part in bringing the seed of Abraham into the earth because she was the mother of the firstborn. Uh, Sarah, who was not satisfied with God's timing, she tried to rush things. And so she rushed uh, uh the, the, the seed uh, coming into fruition. And so uh, Hagar uh, was the mother. All right. So Sarah didn't like it. Hagar got all uppity and, you know, they had their little tiff and Hagar left and God sent her back and promised that he would take care of them. And so the, the, the rest is, so they say, history. And so we moved on and, and Sarah conceived Isaac. She conceived Isaac as God had promised, but they were older in age. And, and um, God then admonished uh, some years passed and God admonished Abraham to sacrifice his son 
the very promise that God had given him. And so he went to be obedient to God and God gave him a way of escape, which was a ram in the bush. And so that ram blood was shed on behalf of Isaac. So this was reflective of what was to come when Jesus was to come and shed his blood to save us. So we saw that manifest itself in the physical as Abraham went to sacrifice his son and God gave him a way of escape, same as God has done for us. Amen. All right. So then uh, Sarah passed away and in my mind of minds, I said it had something to do with just the disappointment and, 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 um, Heart, being heartbroken that her husband would take the very thing that God had given her uh, as a promise and she had waited so long. So I, I feel like that waited on her heart and it caused her premature uh, uh, death. Well, I say premature. She was up in the 90s somewhere. So yeah, she lived a good life, <laughs> a long life. Uh, but nonetheless, I feel like that contributed to it. Uh, and that even more makes my argument, right? Or, or gives uh, evidence to that. You know, our heart probably couldn't take it. Uh, but nonetheless, so we learned about them and some other things about Lot. Uh, and, and, uh, now we learned as that generation uh, began to uh, transition, we learned about Isaac as he be began to build the foundation of his family. And he married Rebecca, Rebecca, um, who uh, was, again, a cousin of his. And that's just how they did. That was the beginning of time. They had to be fruitful and multiply. And uh, <laughs> we don't do that mess no more. Um, but uh, he, he conceived with his wife, who, again, just like his mother, felt that she was barren. And so she had... Uh, she, she felt that she wasn't able to conceive... And similar to uh, Sarah, she felt that she was cursed. Amen. She felt that she was cursed because she couldn't conceive. And her husband, knowing God, having faith in God and having a relationship with God, went to God and prayed. And he asked that God would bless his wife. And God said, I got something for you. I'm not just going to bless her with one. I'm going to give her two. And so he blessed her. He blessed her. And she was having a troubling or a difficult pregnancy. And in that pregnancy, uh, she had been going through so much. And she went to God. She said, look, these things are tearing me up from the inside out. What's going on? And God told her, he said, you are carrying two nations. You are carrying two nations, and those two nations are vying for authority. They are vying for authority. They are trying to get uh, the rights to rule. Amen. And so the Bible talks about how uh, at the delivery Esau, this is where Esau and Jacob come into the picture uh, as the sons of Isaac. And so Esau and Jacob come out the womb and uh, uh, Esau with his woolly self come out first. And next thing you know, here come Jacob with his hand on uh Esau's foot. He trying to grab him back in. <laughs> so they were fighting in the womb and even throughout. Amen. So uh, we learned that both parents, Isaac and Rebecca, favored each of their children. And so Isaac favored Esau. Uh, Rebecca favored uh, Jacob. And God had revealed to Rebecca that the younger would rule over the older. So I feel that she felt an obligation, just like Sarah. She said, well, God said it, so I got to help it along. But what we learn, what did we learn about God? He don't need no help. He's God all by himself. He got this. But anyway, they help, they put their foot in it, and then they make it a bigger mess than what it has to be. All right, so the boys uh, grew up. They grew up, and, and uh, Esau was a hunter. 
he was a hunter. He liked to go out gaming and, and, and catching uh, game and bringing it back for them to eat. And, and Jacob was a soft-hearted, uh, more of a, um, he was more of a uh, agricultural uh, person. You know, he tilled the land. He tilled the land and he liked to spend time with his mother. And he was a good cook, apparently. And so he deceived his brother first. The first deception uh, was he deceived him out of his birthright. Esau got so hungry one day, coming back after a good uh, uh, kill, came back and he was tired and he was hungry. And so Jacob had been uh, cooking and he told him, he said, I'll do anything to get some of that. He said, well, hey, anything? Let me get that birthright you got going on over there. And um, and so he uh, gave him his birthright and tricked him out of it. And then the story goes on as his father uh, began to age uh, and um, he was uh, ailing and he was, his sight uh, began to, to leave. And so, um, again, so let me step back. Rebecca overheard uh, her husband, Isaac, telling Esau that he was near the end and that he was ready to pronounce a blessing over him. And so as he was ready to pronounce the blessing over him, he... um, he said, but before I do it, I want one last meal. I know you, you, you know, you go out there and get that good stuff and cook it up. And after I eat it, you know, give me enough strength, then I will uh, bless you. I'll give you your blessing. And so when he went out, then here come Rebecca telling her son, uh, Jacob, what the daddy said and said, look, you got to go in there and get that blessing. And Jacob said, I ain't going to do that. I'm not about to trick my daddy because you know how he is. If he find out I did it, he not only is it, not only is he going to take the blessing, he going to take everything else. And I ain't, I ain't going for that. Rebecca said, let me deal with your daddy. You just go in there and get that blessing. And so he did it. When Esau returned and realized what he had done, what uh, Jacob had done, he was so upset he was so upset with his brother that he turned around and he told him, he said, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and so, so Jacob was afraid of his brother because he knew what was up. And he said, I got to get up out of here. And Rebecca sent him to go and stay with her brother. Um, and as he was going to stay, uh, Jacob sent him away with the blessing. And so uh, when he got to his uncle's house, Laban. Uh, Laban gave him a little bit, a little taste of his own medicine because uh, Jacob had fallen in love with, or I would say infatuated with Rachel. He was infatuated with Rachel, uh, which was Laban's uh, daughter, and he wanted to marry her. And back then in their tradition, uh, you would have to work for it. And so all of these years, uh, had passed since Rebecca sent uh, Jacob to go live with his uncle. And he had been working for his uncle. He had been prospering his uncle. He had been doing things, you know, as a shepherd and in the field and, and just creating growth for them. And so Laban said, well, what can I do for you? You've been doing all this stuff for us. What can I do for you? Uh, uh, um, and he said, well, I want to marry your daughter. And he was clear about which one he wanted. And so Laban said, all right, well, we can set that up. And so he said, but, you know, I'm going I'm to let you get her, but you got to work another seven years to keep her. And so he said, all right. So on their wedding night, Laban did the bait and switch. And he switched up uh, uh, Rachel for Leah, who was the oldest sister, the oldest sister, because in their tradition, it was not common for the younger sister to be given away before 
the older sister. So Laban had to set that straight. And so when Jacob realized what had happened, it was too late because he had consummated the relationship, the marriage. And so he said, look, why'd you trick me? He said, that's all right. You know, I tricked you, but guess what? You work another seven years, you get them both. So here's a two for one deal. Buy one, get one, you know, seven years. So he said, <laughs> he said, I'll give you both of them, but you got to work that 14 years. So he took uh, his wives and uh, worked the, the 14 years and got to a point where he said, it's time for me to go. I'm, I'm here. I know, you know, Laban, he kind of crooked. He going to take what we got. And I've been working so hard, I want to go back home. So he got his, his family together and tried to leave late in the midnight hour. And Laban said, well, why would you do that? He ran and caught up with him. He said, you didn't even let, let me tell my girls bye. You ain't even let me love my, you know, tell them I love them, my grandbabies. And, 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 um, you just trying to leave and up and leave. And of course, as they were leaving, uh, the daughters got indignant. And, and Rachel said, look, you ain't never really cared nothing about us. All you wanted was what we can give to you. So guess what? I'm going to take this little uh, trinket here that is important to you to represent your God. But it's a value. I can sell it sometime later. I'm going to take it with us. And when Laban accused them of stealing, Jacob said, Here we go again. This thing cutting me off. <laughs> right when it's getting good and juicy, 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 good. But I'm glad it cut me off because I just realized I missed the whole, you know, part of the story. Whole part of the story where Jacob married his wives and he got his wives, but he had his 12 sons. He had his 12 sons and each of the 12 sons represented, um, uh, something significant uh, to his wives and, and, and to his family. Amen. And, and so uh, we learned that Leah, Leah, who was the older sister, she started having babies first. And she was having her children. And Rachel, who was the younger sister, she wasn't able to have children. And so we see that barrenness following from generation to generation, but it's really not their barren. They're just delayed uh, in having these children. But anyway, so Leah had the first set of kids. So she had uh, Reuben and Simeon and Levi and Judah. And uh, through this uh, study, it's not significant to anybody but me. I learned that uh, because I always could relate to the 12 tribes because my parents had 12 children. So I always could relate, but I mostly related to Joseph's story. Uh, but anyway, realized through this training, uh, through this Bible study, uh, that Judah was the fourth oldest. I always put him as the fifth. I always put him as the fifth. But anyway, he was the fourth oldest. And why is that significant to prophetess? Because I'm number four. <laughs> I'm number four in, uh, in our batch. So anyway, and I love to praise him. Ain't that something? I got to set it up. All right, so Reuben was the oldest, Simeon, and then Levi and Judah, and they were all conceived by uh, Leah. So Rachel was getting a little jealous. She said, but I can't give you none. So she did like Sarah. She said, I'm going to give you my servant. And so he get, she gave her servant, uh, uh, Bela, Bela, B-I-L-A-H. Y'all know how to pronounce it. And she had Dan and uh, uh, Naphtali, Naphtali. Um, and that was five and six. Number seven, this was another revelation, was Gad. Gad, who name uh, means lucky. <laughs> the name means lucky. And my brother Lucky uh, is in the seventh position. He's in the seventh, he's the seventh of the 12 children, but in actuality, he is number eight because we had a brother before him. But as we represent the family, Lucky is seven of 12, amen, uh, seven of the 12 living uh, children that my parents had. So, uh, but that was uh, a 
uh, Leah in retaliation of Rachel. She said, all right, you're going to give your little hands, uh, uh, your little maid servant, I'm going to give mine. And so she gave Zelpah, Zelpah, uh, Zelpah to um, Jacob. And she conceived Gad, who was the seventh, and Asher, who was the eighth. And then Leah got back on the ball. She said, look, I got to give up. Uh, I got to get some, some babies here. And so she conceived two more, uh, Issachar and Zabulon, Zabulon. And so finally, finally, Rachel was able to conceive. And she conceived Joseph and Benjamin, Joseph and Benjamin. And we, we, we're going to learn about them, but, um, in this case, as I was telling the story about how they were leaving uh, Laban and, and going back to Joseph wanted to go back home uh, and he was ready to go back and be with his family. And um, and Rachel stole from her father. She stole from her father. And Jacob was so sure that nobody from his camp had stolen anything. And Uh, He said, look, if anybody did it, then they can die. And sure enough, as they continued in their journey, before they made it to their destination, uh, um, Rachel, in in, uh, delivery, as she was was giving birth to her youngest son, Benjamin, she died. She died along the way. Amen. So, uh, be careful. Be careful what you say. That's why I'm so careful. When it, when we get upset, we get angry about stuff, and people do things to us, and we don't. Sometimes you don't even know who did what. The other thing that God showed me, and I believe again, this is Dawn's commentary. Everybody ain't gonna see it this way, but the story is oftentimes told as if Jacob's preference was with um, Rachel throughout the duration of their relationship and I don't believe that to be true because it was shared it was shown that through the conceptions through the as they were conceiving their children Rachel knew her husband and so they began to grow and develop a bond and also when it was all said and done Jacob was buried with his, um, he was buried with his, uh, uh, with Leah. He was buried with this, with, with Leah. So again, I don't know, you know, I mean, that infatuation in the beginning may have been so, you know, but through the years, it almost seems like Jacob grew closer and closer to his first wife. But anyway, I don't know. I don't know. That's just my little commentary. What else happened in this story? Uh, Jacob fought with an angel, and he said, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. The angel had to tap him in his hip. <laughs> he said, look, I don't know who you think you're playing with, but I got something for you to that, that, that. And so uh, he crippled him, but yet he blessed him. And God changed his name to Israel. And we learn that he was no longer considered Jacob. He was Israel uh, at this point. And so when we learn about the 12 tribes of Israel, we, we know that uh, that is the lineage that came from Jacob. Jacob reconciled with his brother. They um, He went back. He gave them all these little uh, gifts to show them. You know, that he reverenced him and and they reconciled and their father passed away. Isaac died and they buried him and and they went on, you know, their separate ways and 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 reconciled uh, with each other. They buried the father. And so then we get to the story of Joseph. God highlights the story of, of Israel and his 12 sons and the sons and their relationship. Now they're settled. Now they're, you know, they're doing their thing. And here we go with Joseph. This one who is the, the um, uh, favored of the father. You see how that 
generational curse is going from generation to generation. The parents showing favoritism uh, with these children. And so he favored uh, the, the son J- Joseph because he was the son of his old age. And so um, he treated him well, even made him this little funny looking coat of many colors. And Jacob, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Joseph appeared to be that kind that, you know, he got to tell everybody what he got. And so he had a dream. God gave him a dream to show him that he would have rule over his brothers. He would have rule over his brothers. And here we are, this little uh, tale going back and telling daddy, daddy sending him out to get the information. He going back and telling daddy all the stuff and they didn't, they didn't like him. <laughs> they didn't like him. So one day they decided they were going to do something about him. And, you know, here he come trying to spy on him for daddy. And they say, oh, we going to kill him. And so Reuben, the oldest brother, he said, don't kill him. Y'all can't kill him. You know, just, you know, whatever. Rough him up a little bit. We, we'll do whatever we got to do. Reuben left the scene. And so Judah steps up. And Judah said, all right, well, we ain't... I don't want y'all to kill him either. We ain't going to kill him, but let's sell him so we can get something out of it. So he went and he said, he said, we're going to sell him. And here comes the uh, Ishmaelite, Ishmaelite coming by. And he said, we're going to sell him to you and you can take him on over there to Egypt and he can be a servant uh, to them. Take him off of our hands. And so they did that. Reuben returned. He said, well, where is he? Where is my brother? And they, they told him what they had done. And he said, well, we got to do something. So they tore off the skins of an animal and put the blood on the little coat that the daddy gave him and took it back. And Jacob was sure that his son had died. And so while that was going on, Joseph was made the head um, uh, servant in charge when it came, <laughs> y'all, know, y'all know some thoughts going on in my head. All right, so he, he became the head servant in charge. Now, y'all use y'all imagination there. Uh, in Potiphar's house, Potiphar, who was a high-ranking officer in Pharaoh's kingdom. And so uh, they had sold him into slavery into Egypt. And so Pharaoh... Uh, was the king at the time. And remember, Pharaoh is a title, not necessarily a, an actual name. It's a title. And so Potiphar was a high-ranking officer. And so he purchased Joseph, and Joseph became his servant. And so he was his house servant, so he made him the head, and he had rule over everything in the house. And so Potiphar's wife would became attracted to Joseph, and she wanted to, you know, whatever. And <laughs> Joseph was like, uh-uh, no. He said, Potiphar gave me uh, rulership over everything in here except one, and that's you. And I don't want no parts of it. And so she got offended and tried to lie and say that he tried to accost and rape her. And that was not true. But Potiphar, believing his wife, took action and he had Joseph arrested. Joseph in the jail received favor from the rulers over the jail. The officers who were in charge, they put him in charge. And so we learn from the life of Joseph that even in uh, enslavement, even in bondage, even in in jail, God will give you favor if the hand of God is on your life. So God gave him favor. And this old crazy Pharaoh, he uh, had two of his servants uh, or his workers arrested. It was a, one was a baker. The other was a cupbearer. And he had them arrested and thrown in the prison. And during that time, another thing that we learned is that God would oftentimes communicate to his people and to others through dreams. Not only did God do that, there were other uh, mystical forces that would do that uh, in that time. So these people were very spiritually inclined. So they were able to communicate and to see things through dreams. And dreams required an interpreter. 
And so uh, Joseph was very clear that while he is the vessel interpreting the, the dreams, it is God interpreting. It is God's interpretation. So anyway, they came to him with their dreams for interpretation and and Joseph uh, let them know that for the cupbearer, that his dream was just saying that in three days you would be restored to your place and your position, and it'll be like it ain't never happened. As a matter of fact, you're going to get a little cherry on the top, and you're going to be good. And then with the baker, he said, but, but for you, your dream, that means in three days you're going to die, and he's going to cut your head off and impale it, and uh, it ain't going to look too good for you, buddy. But he told the cupbearer, he said, remember me when, when you get out of here and see if you can put a good word in and, and get me out because I didn't do what they accused me of doing. I'm in prison and I'm innocent. I am innocent. Um, but anyway, the the uh, cupbearer, as people always do, forgot about him when he went on about his business. He done forgot, you know, and was doing his own thing. And um, uh, two years later, two years later, Bonifer had a dream and um, he didn't have anybody to interpret it. He actually had two dreams. He had two dreams and and the cupbearer, all of a sudden, he remembered who Joseph was. And he told Potiphar, he said, I mean, not Potiphar, I'm sorry. I said Potiphar earlier. I meant Pharaoh. Pharaoh had a dream and he had two dreams. And so he said, I know somebody that can interpret the dreams because Pharaoh has sent out for all of the dream interpreters. He said, go and get all of them from the kingdom. And nobody was able to interpret the dream. So he brought Joseph and God gave Joseph the interpretation. And so what he interpreted was, he said, what is going to happen, God is showing you, this is actually one dream, but two uh, occurrences that will happen. And what's going to happen is you're going to have seven years of plenty and you're going to have seven years of famine. And during the seven years of plenty, you're going to have to use wisdom to gather up all of the resources that you need to be able to survive the seven years of lack and drought. And so when Pharaoh heard the interpretation, he said, well, I'm going to need somebody to care for that and cover it and make sure, you know, and and I don't know who else can do it except you, uh, Joseph. So I'm going to put you in charge. And not only am I going to put you in charge, you're going to be, you're going to be the head Y'all know, <laughs> y'all, you gonna be the head one in charge, and you gonna only be your authority will only be second to mine. So no one else in this kingdom will have more authority over you. Ain't that something? Here we are. We have someone that has gone from being enslaved in bondage to being in prison. And notice there's a difference. The Bible, I believe, is telling the story so we understand there's a difference in being enslaved and jailed or in bondage. And we see the difference. Amen. All right. So um, so he uh, so so Pharaoh told him, he said, I'm going to give you all of this. Uh, authority, and I'm going to give you all of this power. It will only be second to mine. And guess what? I will never usurp your authority. So that means, in essence, you got the power of the king. He gave him the power of the king. And so Joseph used his wisdom. And over those seven years of plenty, he went out and he gathered up all that they needed. He said, I'm going to make sure y'all give us back 20% so we can store it up. And they stored it up and they had enough, not just for them, but for the neighboring nations that were all around them. And so in the years of famine, they came and they began to um, consult uh, Joseph for what they needed. They came to him uh, for their needs. And when it started out, they had, you know, goods and money to exchange. And 
And so, you know, as the famine continued on, they went from giving them money to exchanging grain for, you know, what they needed or their their uh, livestock or whatever it was they were exchanging. So Joseph just over there racking it up, racking it up. And eventually, eventually, because towards the end, they didn't have anything else to give but their time. But their time, and uh, as I was going through this study, and again, Don's commentary, I saw that the system that Joseph had built, that he was creating, that he was developing, is the very system that his people had to abide by and live in uh, in the years to come. Amen. So, so Joseph, in his wisdom, uh, he saved up. And in the famine, the time of famine, he was able to spread it across and to make more. He was able to uh, make money and, and, and get value out of what they had to make Egypt more prosperous during that time. So anyway, so because God had put him in that position Going back to his brothers and his father, uh, they were impacted by the famine. They heard about what was happening in Egypt. And so uh, uh, Jacob told his sons, or Israel told his sons, he said, look, y'all go over there where they're giving out that food, and y'all take this money and bring us some back because we're starving out here. We need something. And so the boys went. All of them went except Benjamin, and they went off, and and, um, uh, Joseph met them, and he uh, tried to play a little trick on them, and uh, he gave them what they were asking for, sent them back with the money they brought, and tried to act like he thought they were some spies, and told them in order for them to prove that they weren't spies, you go back and bring back your youngest brother. And uh, they left, I think it was Simeon, was the one that stayed behind. Uh, And they went off to get the brothers and came back uh, with the brother. And Joseph, again, tried to trick him and uh, told him, he said, look, you know, well, well, before that happened, of course, Israel, he didn't want to send his baby boy. He said... Y'all done already let my other favorite boy die. I ain't about to send this one. And Judah said, well, look, you can you can have two of my sons. If we don't come back, you have just gone and take them if you want them, you know. And, and I guarantee you, I will be fully accountable uh, for for um, for their for uh, Benjamin's return. And so they got back to Joseph. Joseph played another trick on him. He had he hid his help, his scepter in uh, Benjamin's bag. And so he said, whoever, whoever took my scepter, because towards the end, as they got everything they wanted, they came back. They said, look, we got home and we realized the money we gave you. Uh, for the food and all of that that you gave us. Uh, we still had it in our bags. We want to return it. And he said, well, all right, well, y'all keep it because uh, uh, we, done, we done squared up with that. Um, and actually, he w- they were telling one of the uh, workers under Joseph, and he said, well, Joseph already gave us all the money, so y'all ain't got nothing to worry about. Keep your money. So now they had their second exchange, and and they're uh, about to leave. And Joseph said, wait a minute, my scepter is gone. Somebody done stole it. And he had his worker put it in Benjamin's bag. And they, again, so sure that ain't nobody stole it. And, and Joseph said, well, whoever stole it, I'm, they're going to be mine. They're going to be my servant. And they're going to be in prison. And, and they're going to belong to me. And so... Um, when they did that, then Judah, the very one that sold him, had the audacity to plead for his brother's life. He said, take me instead. And so Joseph became so overwhelmed. He said, look, let me just, the gig is up. It's me. It's Joseph. I'm y'all brother. And blah, 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 blah. You know, got them all up to speed. 
And he said, go back and get my dad and, and all of the family. And y'all come on out here and live with us. No harm done, you know. And they were like, oh, we so... All right, so as always, we don't went a little longer than I expected. I may have to break these up, but um, as far as doing another uh, podcast, because I don't know, I start doing the overview and I get deep, I get deep in it. Um, all right, so what was I saying? What was I saying? Because this thing cut me off again because the alarm went off. <laughs> but anyway, so Joseph revealed to his brothers who he was. Uh, he said, go and, and get my my father and y'all come here y'all can live with me and because of the favor that he had with pharaoh pharaoh said well y'all can come on and y'all can live in the better part of the kingdom he gave them territory in goshen and goshen was a prosperous place and so they went there and they uh lived and they began to build um and um joseph eventually passed away uh, I'm sorry, Uh, before Joseph passed away, his father, Jacob, passed away. And Jacob passed away. And as he passed away, he gave and pronounced the blessings over his sons, the inheritance. And so what we learned is while all of the tribe of Israel, all of the children of Jacob, benefited from the blessings, the inheritance. He removed the leadership of two. One, because of the act of disobedience and reproach as he uh, slept with his wife, and the other, because he gave him a double portion of the blessing because of his obedience and because of how he cared for and took care of his family. And so that was Reuben, Reuben being the oldest son. Uh, His uh, uh, title, his position was stripped of him because he slept with his father's wife. And Jacob, I'm sorry, Joseph being the one who was favored and returned uh, to his father, he was given double. So two of his sons were made leader to rule over uh, the tribes. Amen. All right. So uh, even as Jacob was pronouncing the blessings and and denouncing the behaviors, uh, if you go back and read through the Bible, as he made those pronouncements, many of them sounded like he was reprimanding uh, his children. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, the Lion of Judah, Judah was given a blessing and uh, that he would always have rulership and that his name would never, ever, ever uh, be silenced. Amen. That his name, there would be power uh, associated and attached to his name. Amen. And so that becomes significant as we continue along our study and our journey in the Bible, as we learn more about how the tribes began to um, um, migrate and how the bloodline of Jesus uh, developed through uh, David, who was a direct descendant of Judah. Amen. All right. So now we're ready to get into Exodus. Yay. Exodus, Exodus. And so as we are coming out of Genesis, getting into the book of Exodus, we are introduced to Moses. So we are introduced to Moses. And and uh, when, when Isaac or Jacob passed away, the brothers were in such fear because of what they did to Joseph. They made up a lie. They said, look, daddy said, when he gone, don't you try to come after us and Joseph reminded them, he said, what y'all did to me, it wasn't, (laughs) y'all ain't do nothing because my God ain't going to let you touch me unless it's for his will. And so uh, they continued to grow. They continued to prosper. And so we learned that as we cross over into Exodus, as uh, Joseph is leaving the scene, as he's transitioning out uh, through his death, 
uh, the Pharaoh of the past is not known his practices or his uh, likes or his decrees are no longer reverenced by the new Pharaoh. Pharaoh did not know Joseph in the same way. He did not revere him in the same way. But yet what he saw was here you have all of these second, third, fourth class citizens, these slaves that have come into our nation and they are prospering. And the Bible says that they began to grow and they were prospering. And so the Pharaoh looked at the speed by which they were growing and prospering. And he said, look, I got a fear here that if they grow too big, they're going to come against us. And if they don't come against us, they're going to collude with somebody else and come in and try to overcome us. We have to do something about this. So he put out the um, he put out the instruction to the midwives that as they deliver these babies um, for these Israelites, that they were to kill any male child. And so the midwives had more fear of God than they did of Pharaoh. And so they refused to do it. And so so Pharaoh um, said, all right, I got something for you. So now I'm going to make a decree that all the male children, we're going we gonna to just kill them up. We're going we gonna to scoop them up, kill them up. And so uh, it was left to the children of Israel to dispose of their male children. And so Pharaoh's henchmen were uh, sent to do the deed as well as to inspect. And so the Bible tells us that uh, Moses was conceived by Levites. So two Levites conceived Moses and the mother was able to shield him for three months. And so she was able to keep him hidden and something happened that caused her to want to send him to a place of safety. And so she built this little basket and put him in a Nile River and sent them floating. And I believe that it is because she was aware of her circumstances and the surroundings. And she knew that Pharaoh's daughter would be bathing in that very river. And so uh, her plan to send him to safety was successful because Pharaoh's daughter incepted him. Um, uh, what, what did I just say? Incepted him? <laughs> Pharaoh's daughter uh, rescued him. So let me just say that. And... Uh, and took him into the palace, raised him as one of their own, gave him the best of the best, and was preparing him to be king. She was preparing him to be uh, the the um, successor of the king. And so through all of that, uh, Moses was traveling one day, and he saw one of the Egyptians trying to accost uh, one of his people and so he went and, and checked them and wound up killing them. And so the next day after that he came and the Egyptian said, I mean another two uh, Egyptians were fighting and, and so he tried to break them up. Y'all need to be doing all of that. And they said, what you gonna do? Kill us like you killed the other one? And so he was like, oh, they know what I did. So he went into hiding and uh, that's where he found his wife. His wife and a sibling were together, and they were being accosted by uh, some other uh, uh, men, and uh, they were shepherds. So Moses, being a gentleman that he is, he went and he took them and helped them to, to water their uh, sheep and um, their cattle, and, uh, and that he protected them. So they went back and told their dad. Their father said, bring them here. I want to meet them. 
And so when he came, he introduced him and offered his wife, uh, offered Moses a wife, and he took a wife. And for 40 years, he stayed with that family, and God called him out. And that's when he went uh, up on the hill on the mount, and he saw the burning bush, and God spoke to him, and he said, I'm, I got an assignment for you. I want you to go, and I want you to facilitate the, the uh, emancipation, liberation of my people. And Moses said, well, I don't know about that because I got a stutter. I can't really, you know, uh, represent the people. You see how they played me when I tried to protect them before. Yeah, I don't know about this. And God said, well, I called you. He said, but I can't speak. And he said, well, look, go on and get your brother Aaron. And we're going we're gonna, to uh, use your brother Aaron, and he will speak for you. But, uh, but you're going to do what I told you to do. And so we just started getting into the word where Moses went and he said, let my people go. And uh, Pharaoh was being stubborn and he didn't want to let them go. And God put them 10 plagues on them. And we learned that there's a correlation between the plagues and the um, Ten Commandments. And so then I think we, st- we ended our study with um, the preparation. He was preparing them for the Ten Commandments. Amen. So I'm going to stop this here because I went very long. I wanted to do an overview of um, Exodus, which I'm going to do that real quick. And then we'll get into this week's study. Amen. Amen.